0: If you're not willing to sever from those things that are in the world, then maybe you are an enemy and you're just fooling yourself.
1: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study.
0: We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. I entitled this message pressing on. You know, as we enter this new year, you know, we will all face the same reoccurring problems and we have to learn all over again how to, well, do little things like, you know, write the correct year on our checks. Uh, Many have to come to grips with the fact that they overspent at Christmas and all those bills start coming in here in the next couple weeks here. Plus, since many forgot everything about eating healthy for the, let's just say, the entire month of December from Thanksgiving on, we have to return to eating with, well, at least some boundaries of health being considered. Yes, now it's time to just, well, you can say, get back to work. We have to return to the grind. We have to get back to the day in and day out standard routines of everyday life. Yes, in a sense, you could say the party is over now. So as we now officially have welcomed the new year, right now is a great time to reflect on where we've been and, more importantly, where we're going. To reflect as believers should center on if we're willing to embrace what God desires to do in our lives. Yes, we must look back on what we didn't accomplish last year, while at the same time, avoiding falling into the same potholes that caused us to stumble in our walk with the Lord. Yes, we've all made mistakes and did things that we regretted. But what's more tragic would be to continue to make those very same mistakes all over again. Yes, there's something again that is so refreshing about a new year. It screams a brand new start. Again, a new beginning. It's like a clean slate. It's the hope of doing better than we did last year. Why? because God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. I love that verse in Psalm 30, verse five. It says, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And today is the morning of a brand new year. It breeds hope of a brand new season for our lives. A season that reaches for a deeper and a richer relationship with God. A life that longs for change as our soul longs for the Holy Spirit to stir the hope that only God can give us in the midst of all the circumstances that we're surrounded with in our country and our world today. Yes, this is the year of change, or at least it should be the year of change for each and every one of us. Not as the world embraces change, of course, for many will make some kind of a New Year's resolution. It's an intention to do what we haven't done in the past. It's a new plan. It's a pledge and a promise to do that thing that we've been wanting to do. Yes, it's a new commitment to what hasn't been accomplished yet in our lives. That's why many will make the same new year's resolutions possibly every year the same thing like i need to join a gym i need to get back into shape Uh, i need to get a new job i can't stand the job that i'm in i need to get out of debt i need to stop smoking and drinking and all these other vices that are in my life Or for those that are single, you want to find love in a meaningful relationship. And those who are married want to find love in a meaningful relationship. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But here's a word of encouragement for both the singles and for those that are married. Number one, to those who are single, focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ first put him first. When he's first, everything else seems to work out. Focus on becoming more like him and pray that he would allow you to become that perfect mate for that one person that he desires you to be with. And Doesn't God, you think, have a person for you? I mean, if he created the heavens and the earth, if he's so meticulous, he knows every hair on your head, or in my case, how many hairs fell out this morning. I mean, it's like, don't you think that he has a person for you? You should be praying for your mates. I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend yet. Well, pray for them. It's not like they're not born yet. Pray for them, because they could be struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. And you need to pray for yourself that you can become the perfect mate for that person. That's right. Pray that God would change you. Maybe you've got some habits and some issues in your life that are keeping someone from coming and being that mate of yours. So before God's going to give you that little princess or that prince, you need to become the person who God desires you to be. And number two, for those who are married, focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ first, first and foremost. Remember, your spouse cannot satisfy you. Only God can make you happy. You have to find your satisfaction in him and stop relying on your spouse to make you happy. And then be married to the person that you're married to. Spend more time with them. Stop looking at them and wishing they were someone else. Why? because you're missing who's in front of you trying to have them be somebody else. Ask God to help you fall in love with them all over again. Remember, you fell in love with them once already, okay? So there's already something there. That's why you married them in the first place. Then stir up some romance in your relationship. Do the things that you did in the beginning. There must have been something you did to calm that person into marrying you. Do those things again, okay? It's like, you know, treat them nice. Bring them flowers. Buy them ice cream. Look forward to seeing them instead of looking at them when they come home from work and say, oh, it's you. (laughs) <laughs> like you were hoping for somebody else. It's like, why don't you write an occasional note to them? You know, just a little love note, you know, stir a little romance. Why is it that we'll do everything that we can do to bring that person into a love relationship with us? But then once we marry them, we stop doing those things. You have to continue to stir romance in your relationship. Again, New Year's resolutions are all built around the things that we know that we should do, the things that are best for us. The one thing that surpasses them all though, the one thing that holds everything that we do together is getting right with our maker. For when we are seeking him, when we are desiring to be in his perfect will, when we seek after his purpose in our lives, when we're intent on his plan over our plans, that's when everything else in life will totally come together. That's when everything seems to fall into place with the least amount of hassle. That's when we can come to that real place of fulfillment. Well, let's look at our first point here, gazing behind, because we need to look at where we have been to make sure that we're going in the right direction. So let's read together here, starting in Philippians chapter three, picking up in verse one, it says, finally, my brethren rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. Beware Of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, Paul says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. That's kind of an arrogant statement. Like, hey, you want to brag about the flesh? I can brag more than you can brag. (laughs) He goes on here. There's a reason why he does this, and we'll get to this. But he says in verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee, the leading uh, uh, religious sect of the day. He says in verse 6, As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is found in the law, I was found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Wow. Well, this will all make sense in a second here, but notice where Paul started here in Philippians 3 verse 1. He said, rejoice in the Lord. That's always a good way to start off a new year. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord. Paul uses this word rejoice 10 times in this small book of Philippians. He uses it in every chapter. There's four chapters. He uses it in every chapter. It's a primary verb here that means to be cheerful, to be happy, to be glad, to point to being full of joy. Yet Paul is writing this letter filled with rejoicing from a cold prison cell in Rome. For Paul knows and understands that he is there for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 1, he noted that there was a revival going on in the very prison itself, right in the governor's palace because of him. And Paul assures the Philippians now in verse 1 that for him to write them was no burden for him at all. And he is reminding them also of some of the things that he has already shared with them. Why is he doing this? Because they, like us, are in a constant need of reminding. I think about Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, I bring you these things by way of reminder. It's like, I know you already know them, but I'm going to share them with you again. And that's why it's important to look back on things that we already know and be reminded of those things. He says, because we forget things. You know, we forget things that we know are right, and we can easily fall into the same pit that we have fallen into in times past. Know this, we need friends that are going in the same direction that we're going, for nothing changes in life. It's still all the same since when I first came to know the Lord. I had to make new friends when I came to know Christ, Why? Because when I became a Christian, all my friends were partiers. They had no desire to follow the Lord. And the more I tried to hang out with them, the more I found myself in compromise in my own life. Notice in verse two, Paul said, "'Beware of the dogs.'" That word beware means to see with the eyes. It means to be observant of what's happening around you, to see what's happening. And it's in the context here of chapter three, he's talking about religious people. I wonder if you hang out with religious people. You know, we have to be observant of who we're hanging out with because there's a lot of false leaders out there, specifically people that say, oh, yes, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, yet their lifestyle says something completely different. Their lifestyle is complete polar opposite of that of a true Christian. Paul says they're not real, they're artificial. We have a lot of churches that don't speak the truth. People are, that you want to call them progressive Christians, which they're not Christians at all. A progressive Christian is someone that says, well, the times have changed, so therefore, we're going to change what the Bible says. So they no longer will teach the the things about what the Bible says. There's churches here that attract a lot of young people and people that are living together and having sex together. And it's like, well, are they out there preaching the fact that you're not going to go to heaven because you're living with your boyfriend? Because you're having sex outside of marriage? You know, the Bible says that no fornicator will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not a popular subject today. But it's like, but it's the truth. So these false... Teachers, these dogs, as the Apostle Paul says, is doing what? They're giving a false sense of security to people, saying, You can come to church. You can worship, we'll sing the songs, you can listen to Bible study, and we'll never touch on the subject that you're living in so that you don't feel guilty when you come. But all we've done for you is given you a false sense of security because you have no security because if the rapture was to happen today, you're not going. Why? Because you have decided to live in sin and you're not doing anything to change that lifestyle. Wow. See, so this is why it's important that we beware of those that teach false doctrine. Beware of those that are living in these false doctrines that think that they're Christians. We need to stand up and speak the truth. Understand, again, we live amongst non-believers. We work with them, right? Right? We, we live next to them. We shop with them. We bank with them. We're living as lights that are shining to them, and we're sharing Christ with them at work. But we are not to find our closest friendships with non-believers we're not to spend our leisure time with non-believers why for they will pull us down and we will get pulled into our old lifestyles again doing the things that caused us to sin and fall away from the lord that's why the bible says in first corinthians fifteen thirty-three: do not be deceived like don't fool yourself Like, don't fall under some delusion. He says, bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought, and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Wow. My best friend, we were best friends from first grade all the way through high school. But we just came to that point. I had to sever that relationship. It's like, I can't hang out with this person anymore. I'd love to see them now, I don't know where they're at. I'd love to be able to share Christ with them. But I could not continue to hang out with them. And you're thinking, well, I would never do that. You're not willing to say, I wanna separate myself for Christ. It's made clear in James 4.4, he gets a little more to the point. James says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. You might be thinking, well, I'm not an enemy to God. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. If you're not willing to sever from those things that are in the world, then maybe you are an enemy and you're just fooling yourself thinking that you're not. Yes, we should find our closest friendships with those that are going in the same direction, true born-again Christians. doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we are trying to be everything that God calls us to be. See, Paul knew that there were those who called themselves believers, but they were really not. This is why Paul takes a moment to look back on his life. Paul said, there are those Who base their faith not on Christ, but rather on what they do. On their outward works, not on what's happening in their heart. And again in verse 2, he compared them to dogs the word that he uses for dogs here refers to a wild pack of scavengers. It's like a scavenger dog. It's like a vicious dog that can reach out and cause great harm to us. Paul is mainly referring to the Judaizers here, these religious people. These were Jews that said people must become like a Jew for the God of the Jews to love them. Like, you got to be a Jew inside and out for the God of the Jews to love you. That's what they were saying. So instead of coming to believing in faith in Jesus, they also had to be circumcised and, and adapt the, the dietary laws of the Jews. And Paul, dealing with this same group of people in the Galatia area, said this in Galatians 3.1, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. This is the only thing that I want to find out from you, Paul said to them. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit that you're now being perfected by the flesh he says, like, you're going to now just going to be find your faith established on what you do on the outward works instead of really what God is doing inside of you. That's why Paul went on to say in Galatians 2.16, he says, nevertheless, knowing that a man or a woman is not justified by the works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Jesus and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's like we have to have this relationship that is being developed and being grown with Jesus. That's What God wants with us. That's why Paul goes into talking about his past in Philippians 3 5, where he says, Hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like Moses told us to be. And he says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, which is one of the favorite tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, like I did all the religiosity you could ever imagine to do. As to the law, I was a Pharisee, the highest leading sect of them all. Paul even said at the end of verse six, that according to the law, the way that he was brought up, that he was blameless. What an arrogant dog. I was blameless. I did it all perfectly. Yet Paul's heritage you know even though it was pure he kept his hebrew traditions he even though he maintained the legalistic fundamentals of judaism that's what caused him to have that zeal and a passion for the old testament scriptures but guess what it left him lifeless He was dead on the inside. It left him empty. Let's not have a religious, stale, dead relationship with Jesus, but rather let's develop a personal relationship with him. That's why it's so important to be immersed in the word of God and Bible study and surrounded with true believers that are going in the same direction, which brings up our point, focusing on today. For Paul looked at his past. He compared it to his present day. And he could say in verse eight, I counted my life as what he says rubbish in the new american standard verse 8 in a new living translation says i counted my life as garbage talking about all these religious deeds in the king james bible i like it the best it says i counted my life as dung wow wow And that's the best translation here. Dung, waste. It was no value to him. So even though he gets done talking about all these accolades of religious superiority, he counted it all as dung in verse 8, of no value. Why again? Because it left him completely empty on the inside that there's no life in dead religion. That's why so many here in America have left the church. Yes, Paul at one time was so full of zeal for Judaism that he even persecuted the first Christians because he thought it was something that was a cult of some kind. So he beat them down. He put them in prison. He even had some killed. And today, we see many people condemning Christianity all over again. People cannot condemn Islam, can't they? What? What are you, Islamophobic? What's wrong with you? You can't condemn Islam. You can't condemn alternative lifestyles like homosexuality or transgenderism. What are you, homophobic? Are you transphobic? I mean, you know, you're some kind of a bigot, a a racist. You're not politically correct. But you can condemn the church. You can make fun of Christians saying they're all a bunch of crazy idiots. You can do that because that's okay here in this world. You can mock Christians. But just like us, Paul was changed when he accepted Jesus Christ as his Messiah.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977.